I want to introduce now my commentator to wrap up the week, and I'm really excited today to be joined by Carolyn Overington, who's an associate editor at the Australian newspaper. She's an award-winning journalist. She's publishing best-selling novels these days. She's written for Fairfax, for the Australian, for the Women's Weekly, where she's interviewed people as famous as Hillary Clinton and Oprah Winfrey, and she joins me now to wrap up the week. Thanks for joining us, Caroline. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. There's lots to talk about from this week, but what I want to do is impose on you to go back a week because I really loved the piece you wrote on the weekend about the Invictus Games. Now, some of the best writing you do is where you take us to these big news events and you share with us what's going on. You almost take us there so that not only do we see and hear what's going on, but you tell us what we would be feeling if we were there. Tell us about that family watching their mother competing at the Invictus Games. Well, look, the Invictus Games, I was a total mess. Chris, from the moment I arrived, I didn't know what to expect. I thought, I mean, I've covered a Paralympic Games before, but I'd never covered an event that was purely veterans, military veterans trying to get their lives back and trying to get their mental health back after having served in places like Afghanistan and Iraq. And one of the things that, that strikes you immediately when you arrive is you are the only person really with two legs. There were all of these people walking around on those fancy blades or in their wheelchairs. The kind of injuries, as Prince Harry said in his opening speech, that you never would have survived in the wars previously. The First World War and the Second World War, you you lost your limbs and you, you bled to death on the battlefield. But modern warfare being what it is, the odds are now in your favour. And so you, you can survive. But, but what does that mean to live? What does it mean to live if you're so badly damaged and you've lost... For, for many military people, their physicality, their physical fitness is a key part of their identity. That, that's why they join in the first place, because they're into fitness and, and they're, they're, they're proud and upright people. It's an incredible adjustment for people to adjust to peacetime after a war anyway. And I spoke last week to uh, a soldier, a former soldier, who's dealing with the mental trauma from war. But, of course, the athletes you're talking about have got all that, as well as the huge adjustment to a really difficult physical disability. Well, that's right. And the other thing that strikes you is there are a number of athletes who are super fit, So there was, for example, a British athlete, the first man to survive the triple amputation of his limbs on the battlefield. So both legs and an arm on the battlefield. Good Lord. Yes, and and unimaginable that you could have survived that in the First World War or the Second World War, even Vietnam. But there was a Black Hawk on standby. He was able to be medevaced out. He was taken straight to a military hospital and he survived. And he's he is incredibly fit. There is some footage of him. He's on um, essentially stumps above the knee um, and he's dragging a concrete roller behind him that is kind of looped around his chest because he only has the one arm as well. So incredibly fit. But not everyone is fit. And, and the day, they're fit, but they're not like Olympic athletes, if that makes sense. Yep. So they're, they're there to try to get, to, to, because it gives them a goal. To get to the Games is a goal. To compete gives them a goal. And it gives them a sense of camaraderie that they enjoyed for often a decade. 
Yeah, that team feeling is very important, yeah, like they've that, all told me. Yeah, that you're doing something, you're part of something that's bigger than you. So the day that I went, as I said, I didn't know what to expect. I'm, I'm wandering around. I went into the um, athletic stadium and there was a foot race on. So there are some races that are done in those long wheelchairs, you know, with the yep. one wheel at the front and, and they sort of strap their legs in and off they go. This was a foot race and they were amputees. And as it happens, I was sort of sitting in the stand and I saw a family came in and I, I kept my eye on them because the kids seemed, I, I want to say excited, but it, it was it was more tense than that. They The kids just seemed a little, they're a little out of sorts in a way. They had these homemade posters with them and they were looking around across the stadium looking for someone. I thought, oh, what's going on there? Because they were with who I assumed was their dad. So I thought, oh, I wonder what's going on. And they were looking for their mum. She was out on the field, and the little one spotted her. Said, oh, Dad, 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 there she is, there she is. I'm trying to keep an eye on what it is, and she's one of the athletes in the foot race, but there's something a bit wrong. She's got it, one of those blade legs, and it's not quite thing. It's slipping a bit. I, don't, I, I can't quite get my head around why, but it's slipping a bit. In any case, they get very excited. The dad settles the kids down. The, the gun goes off. The race starts, the athletes at the front of the field take off, um, and mum, mum's coming last. And so you're um, worried the family's going to be disappointed? Yeah, I'm de- well, I'm, de- I'm devastated. Everybody's devastated. She's coming last. And she, they're going, come on, mum, come on, mum, come on, mum. And she comes around the corner, and you know sometimes you see somebody, they give that sort of half shake of the head, and you can just see they're about to pack it in? Yep. And I thought, okay, she's, she's going to pack it in. But that was where the magic happened because Invictus Games are not about winning. It's about trying to rebuild your family, your mental health, your life. And so as she comes around the corner, the whole stadium, the stands where I'm standing, gets to their feet and they start roaring for her, hollering at her. She's the only athlete left on the track. She's stone motherless last. Everybody else has finished. So the other athletes are way over the line. They've got their flags on as capes. They turn around and they come back to the finish line and they're kind of slamming their palms together and they're, they're hollering and they say, come on, come on. And so she finds something and she gets across the line. As she does, she shoves her fists into the air. The kids are going completely nuts. It was just, every. I swear, everyone in the stands, you got the feeling, felt the energy of the moment she's last it doesn't matter she's finished wonderful stuff caroline wonderful stuff for you recounting that to us again now uh, if anyone hasn't read your piece from last weekend they should google it because in that little slice of life if anyone was confused or had their doubts about what the invictus games were all about you nailed it with that story it was a uh, wonderful you've got the hair standing on the back of my neck on end again caroline retelling that story what we're going to do is take a break, though, now. Caroline's going to stay with us here on Friday Feedback. And if that's the pinnacle of sporting achievement and uh, community spirit we've seen in the last little while, we're going to plumb some depths when we talk about the other stories this week. And welcome back to Caroline Overington, who's helping us wrap up the week. You can read her latest book, The Ones You Trust. It's out on bookshelves now, going gangbusters, I take it, Caroline? I hope so. I'm in a pretty crowded field, though. I- 
I feel like the minnow there because, you know, we've got a, a Jane Harper and we've got a Leanne Moriarty and we've got a Kate Morton and we've got a Marcus Zuzak and Matthew Riley and I'm sure Peter Fitzsimons has got one for Christmas. And, and so you're sort of, you're just a tiny little fish in a big pond but you hope that somebody will pick it up and have a go and then maybe pass it on to somebody else. That's the name of the game, isn't it? Good stuff. I don't know how you find the time to do everything you're doing at the moment. Now, you are telling us beforehand about the uplifting spirit of Invictus and the way sport is helping people rebuild their lives. Of course, the big story this week in sport has been what's happened in cricket and, in the end, the demise of the Cricket Australia chairman. And that, of course, has prompted your nomination for Song of the Week. It's goodbye to David Peaver, Caroline. He just had to go, didn't he? Well, yes, and I, I think the reason that he had to go was because he tried to do something a little too tricky. You know, it was it was really tricky of the cricketers to have a go at that ball with the sandpaper in Cape Town at the beginning of the year, and they were duly punished because the Australian public was outraged. I mean, we, we never asked our cricket team to cheat. We like it. When they win, we like it very much. But the rules of cricket and the spirit of cricket are far more important to us. And I think they took their, their punishment and they accepted it. But what happened with David Peaver was he called for a review to try to, to discern what was it about the culture of cricket and of Cricket Australia in particular that would encourage young men to take that action to cheat, to try to win, when clearly that's not what the Australian public wants or expects. And when that review came in, it was hugely damaging. So rather than release it, which he should immediately have done, he kind of hid it in a drawer, got himself re-elected to a second... <laughs> exactly. That was shifty. That was his sandpaper yeah. moment, wasn't it? Well, that's it. you've hit it on the nail, the nail on the head. That is exactly the same thing that we're fighting against because it's tricky. It's slippery. It's it's sneaky. He he didn't show any of the other um, stakeholders what was in the report, but he knew what was in the report, and so then he got himself elected. And then when the report came out, and it's really damaging. It says that the board is not doing a good job. The board of cricket Australia is not doing a good job. That they, they don't they're, they're encouraging a win at all cost mentality. They're they're placing um, their financial remuneration above the wealth of the game. And, and in those circumstances, he can't stay. He can't stay because you need somebody who's prepared to lead cultural change. And by his very actions, he's proving that he's prepared to continue being really slippery. Yeah, I think don't think there's too many uh, tears about his departure. Uh, most of us, of course, have had not anything to do with him, but from the way you describe it is absolutely spot on, uh, Caroline. And most people, they want cricket to reform. We've seen the players pay a price, the uh, organisers have to pay a price, and they have to show that they're prepared to live up to new standards. Now, I've chosen my song of the week, and I, what I'm going to do here, Caroline, is I'm going to play you the song, and then you can tell me then afterwards what story you think it refers to. <laughs> Now 
remember that when that was a big hit about seven years ago, a Gautier there with somebody that I used yes, to know. Which story does that refer to? Well, I mean, it could be anything. <laughs> it could be Malcolm Turnbull. We used to know him as the Prime Minister. Absolutely. You've got it in one. I'm referring to the fallout between Scott Morrison and uh, former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull and, uh, and their open warfare, if you like, this week in the wake of that uh, Bali excursion. And it's going to get better because on Monday night, or worse, depending on where you sit, on Monday night... Thursday night. Um, well, Malcolm Turnbull's going to be on Q&A, isn't he? No, yes, but he's doing it a, a special Thursday night uh, oh, Q&A, I understand. So, uh, yes, yeah, Scott Morrison is doing a Sky News Forum with Paul Murray next Wednesday night, and then the following night you've got Malcolm Turnbull on a, a special Q&A screening. Yeah. It's going to be extraordinary, isn't it? All these experts. I mean, this is floating around like ghosts. You know, I'm not 100% keen to read the Kevin Rudd second volume of the biography, which I think was weighed by the kilo the other day, but I'm dying to read Malcolm's. And I, I, if, it's, if it's the way Malcolm is, as, as um, um, bitter as we've seen in recent weeks, it's going to be fantastic. I hope somebody signed him up. Well, I understand that he's writing something. Somebody reported a, a month or two ago that he was writing a book. I think he spent a lot of time doing that in New York. I haven't spoken to him, but my assumption would be he'd be getting down every last detail from his perspective, and he'd be working on getting that out before the election, surely. That's when, the, the, that, that's when it's going to have the most cachet. And also, I think he's the kind of person who will just let it all out, don't you? I mean, I think it'll be, the, it'll be like reading the Packer biography by our colleague Damon Kidney I mean it's just so raw and so open you can hardly believe that someone would do it but of course in Malcolm's case it will it will all make Malcolm look fantastic Yes, well, I think most of us, when we're writing about our own affairs, probably uh, <laughs> probably talk up our own role and our own uh, motives. Uh, look, Malcolm, uh, I used to work with him, as you know. I, I know his writing. He's published books before. He published one about, of course, his role in the spy catcher trial. Yeah, uh, he's right, and he's, he's a very good writer. He's very thorough. He'll be meticulous. But one of the things he'll be meticulous about in this book, surely, is settling scores. Settling scores. And that's the best thing about a prime ministerial autobiography. I mean, the best things about Kevin Rudd's book are the bits where he has to go at Wayne Swan and people on his own team because that's what you want to read. You don't want to read the glossed over version. You don't want to read the fake version. We hear enough of that then when they're in Parliament and they're trying to cover up what's actually going on. But then when they're off the leash we can find out what they were Well, with these sorts of books, Caroline, we know the page that everybody turns to first, everybody involved in politics <laughs> will turn to first, and that is the index. They look for their own name and they look for their references to them. So there'll be plenty of politicians doing that. But it's going to make uh, life even more difficult for Scott Morrison, isn't it? Well, of course, but then life couldn't get much more difficult for Scott Morrison. I mean, he's trying to run a minority government. I know... Wentworth is not officially called today, but it's generally accepted that Karen Phelps will take that seat, in which case he will be running a minority government. He has a fractured Senate. He has um, a party in a coalition in revolt because there's uh, uncertainty about who will be leading the Nationals and, and Barnaby Joyce making a, a claim to wanting to come back. And there's a million other problems that he has in front of him, appointing Malcolm to go over to Indonesia and then talking about uh, the embassy being in Jerusalem when that wasn't quite the government's message. 
the ho- you don't want to be Scott Morrison. I mean, I think he's doing better than people expected, but it's still a very, very difficult ship to steer. It was indeed another tough week for Scott Morrison. Thanks for helping us wrap it up, Carolyn Overington. People can read your stuff in the Weekend Australian tomorrow. And, of course, if they're looking for a great gift for Christmas, get your latest novel, The Ones You Trust, uh, which is out in all good bookstores now. Thanks for joining us, Caroline. Have a great weekend. Caroline Overington there wrapping up the week for us.